0: This last thing that we're going to talk about today is prayer. And prayer can be a weapon. We've got this full armor on, but then Paul talks about specifically in verses 18 through 20 about how now you've got all this armor, all these things to protect you that we've just seen very clearly and why we have those. But now it's that there's still prayer is very important. In 2010, a group of eight people from two different churches in a really tough neighborhood called Detroit Boulevard in Sacramento, California, uh, got together and said, we got to do something about our neighborhood. Our neighborhood is one of the notorious, most crime-ridden neighborhoods in all of Sacramento. And so what these folks decided to do, they said, we're going to go, and each of these houses in this neighborhood is a a place of danger. We know that things are going up. But these people said, we're going to go through that neighborhood, and we're going to go... In, in, each, in front of each house and we're going to pray for the people in there. We're going to pray for what's going on in that house, for the strongholds. They said for the, the, that Christ will reign over the violence, over the addiction, over the satanic oppression that is going on in this home because we know something's going on here that's way more powerful than the police can handle, than the people of this community can handle. So that's what they started doing. And one of the eight was a former Sacramento police officer and gang detective named Michael Zeong. And he reported that each time we prayed over these individual houses... We felt this weight of oppression becoming lighter. One woman came out and confronted them and asked them what they were doing. And when she realized that they were praying, they asked for prayer for her in a specific situation. And that prayer was answered very quickly for what she was asking for. The, groom, the group soon physically said, Hey, you know what? We don't want to just go into this neighborhood and pray for it. They lived other places. They said, we're actually going to not just pray for this neighborhood, but we're going to move into this neighborhood and start um, a church they called Detroit Life Church, and a couple of years later, in 2013 and 2014, the newspaper in that area reported that there were no homicides, no robberies, no sex crimes, and only one assault in that whole year since they had started praying and moved into that area and started that church. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? You say, "How does something like that happen?" That that seems supernatural. It is supernatural. That doesn't happen naturally. We can't do that on our own. We can't make things like that just stop as much as we may not like it. And we can add people to the police force, but if people's hearts and minds and souls are not changed through this invisible world that Paul is talking about, that wasn't just an invisible world in the first century, it's alive and well in this 21st century. Would you agree with me? It's absolutely going on. I mean, we talked a little bit. I don't want to get into all that stuff that's been going on in our country, but my goodness... Can you see how polarizing our culture has become over things? There's an invisible world. So when I hear stories like that, it encourages me. It tells me that prayer is very, very important. So we've put all this armor on, and then there's something else that the Apostle Paul tells us in chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. I believe we're going to have those on the screen. And I'd like to read those. And so Paul's given us all this armor, and we've talked about it specifically. And then he says, "...and pray in the Spirit." on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may also declare it fearlessly as I should. So I'm thinking, Paul has gone into this whole description of all these different parts of this armor that we need, and we've gone over all of those, and now he's saying, you've got all that, you should be ready to go, but no, he's going, wait a minute. The most important thing is that you've got to pray. Prayer for what? As part of a battle plan? Part of protection? Prayer for victory? Prayer for a plan? Yes to all of those things. You're equipped. He's saying you're equipped. I've given you the equipment you need but you also need to know that you need to constantly be in communication with God about what's specifically going on. So when we read that, you probably said, well, how should we pray then? And he told us, in the Spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, be alert, always be praying for the saints. So let's talk about for a minute, in the Spirit. Why do we pray, as he says, in the Spirit? Well, we've been talking about this And it's consistent in every chapter of Ephesians. Now, these are not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read them to you. And I'm going to read them kind of fast, but I want you to listen. I'm going to read chapters 1 through 5 of Ephesians. Not all of it, but a small portion of it to let you know this is consistent. Paul has been talking about the Spirit throughout this whole chapter in this letter to these people. And so in verse 1 he says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, which is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who were in God's possessions to the praise of His glory. I am asking that God, the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. You keep hearing that? In the Spirit, in the Spirit. Chapter 2. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And in Him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. See, Paul is consistent through this. Chapter 3. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generation as it has been now revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with the power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then in chapter 4, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. And you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you keep hearing that? The Spirit of the Lord, it was given to you. You are sealed with that. And you need to know that and take a part of it. He's saying that's so important and it's consistent. And then in chapter 5, he says, Do not get drunk on wine. Everybody listen to me. We have heard about all the stuff that's been going on in our country had to do with a lot of drunkenness, maybe. Listen to this, what the Scripture says about this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. If you don't know what debauchery is, just think about all the bad things that can happen as a result of you being drunk. There's a whole list. Just use your imagination. But instead, he says, be filled with what? The Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to the Lord God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that theme that Paul has been consistent? He's not just talking about the Spirit. He works it into everything, into every chapter. Because it's this battle that the Ephesian Christians, even though they were... Back in that first century, and that may seem so archaic to us, they were going through the same struggles that we are, y'all. Their government, their relationships, their work stuff, their school stuff, all of that, they were dealing with just like us. And he's saying, you've got to have the Spirit. And remember, this battle he's talking about, as I've been saying over and over again, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. God's character that you choose to allow, that you're sealed with, that you've been given, you allow that to live in you and act in you. And that is God's character living in you and showing the rest of the world, I believe in God, I have His character that lives in me. And through my actions, you should see that. And I allow God to meet my needs. I don't get deceived by the things or we can live by the flesh. And that's when we ignore that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit or we haven't accepted that yet or we reject that. And that's our own self-centered human character living like we think we should and acting like we think we should and just doing whatever we think we should and trying to get our needs met apart from God through other things. That's living in the flesh. So he's saying there's this battle constantly. It never stops. You're always going to be in that battle But when you're sealed with the Holy Spirit and you're walking day to day and allowing that Spirit to live in you, then you can allow God's character to shine through you, to live through you. So when we pray in the Spirit, we're asking God to keep us focused, to keep us listening and being aligned with the Holy Spirit. What do you want me to do in my life? Which He has given us to live in us and act through us. Did you see how many times in those five chapters I read just a little bit? It's been given to you. It's in you. You've been sealed with it. Use it. Know it's there. And when that happens, we're displaying God's character in our lives. And that's how God wants to use us, y'all. That's why He created us, that through you, the unique personality, the unique giftedness that you've been given, the unique um, community that you live in, the, the people that you rub shoulders with, God wants His character to shine through you, every one of us. Not just a few of us, every one of us, God wants to see His character in us. You know why? Because we're His children. We have His DNA, the Holy Spirit inside of us, and He wants to see that in and through the world. But we also pray in the Spirit to ask that we rely on God to meet our needs. God, help me to rely on you to meet my needs. Help me not to be deceived by all these other things in our culture that I think will meet my needs. I'll go after this for a while and I'm, I'm disappointed. I'll go after this for a while and then I'm disappointed and then I have no hope. And that's why we have this epidemic of people who are depressed and having anxiety issues. And, and it's, it's, it's so sad, it bothers me because people are going after all these deceptions of things that will bring them happiness and trying to get somehow their needs met somewhere else other than from God, their Creator and their Savior and the One who's given them purpose. And they need to know the truth. And it leaves them empty And hopeless. But with Christ we have hope. Even in the midst of the difficult things. And those songs we sang this morning. Did you not hear that? Your faithfulness. You know, even, you know, they say you can't move mountains. I believe you will move those mountains again. Even though this has happened in the past, I believe you will do it again, Lord. Because I've seen your faithfulness. It doesn't always come in my timing. It doesn't always come in the way I want it to happen. But God, your faithfulness is always showing through and we have to believe that. So he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Seriously, on all occasions? Yes, seriously, on all occasions. Why would we not? Are there only certain occasions that we should pray to God? And that's kind of how we operate sometimes. And I'm guilty of it too. God, I need you to help me out. So now I'm going to pray. I need something right now. I have a tragedy. I have something that's pressing in my life. And I know I've been kind of saying, hey, I got this, God. But now I want you to come in and and fix it. So, yes, in all occasions. If prayer is communication with God, and it is, then it needs to be consistent. It needs to be perpetual, lasting forever, occurring repeatedly, repeatedly. I need to pray on all occasions. How would it be in any of our relationships that we have? Any of them. I don't care if it's your spouse, your mom, your dad, your best friends at school, people at work, whatever. All the people. Think of all the people you have relationships. With. Would we ever only talk to them when we needed or wanted something? How would that feel? When my kids only talk to me when they needed or wanted sometimes. And sometimes as a parent it feels like that, doesn't it? I need some money. I need it now. But if that's the only time we talk with people that we're in relationship with is when we needed or wanted something, how would that relationship be? It wouldn't be good, would it? How would that come across? How would it affect that relationship? How would that affect what we're trying to accomplish? If only we have relationship, if only we only communicate with them when we need something. That's not real relationship. So if we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in our prayers on all occasions, that means we're acknowledging. In doing so, we're acknowledging our need, our dependence for the Spirit to guide us in all the decisions I make. And I include God on the things that I think I've got. Even if I say, God, I think i got this, but make sure, Lord, give me the wisdom Give me a revelation of what you want me to to know in this situation. Not just the ones that have become a mess or that we don't want to deal with, but God, help me in this situation. It seems really clear. It seems this is the right thing to do. It seems like you've opened all the doors, but God, I want to be in your will, and so I'm praying for you to help me that. And we need to praise God and show Him gratitude for the joys and successes in our life. Acknowledging that too comes from Him. That too comes from Him. The gifts, the things we accomplish, that's great. We need to praise God for that, saying, God, you gave me that giftedness. You gave me that platform to do that, and I'm acknowledging you. Because if I just acknowledge myself, that's what happens. And, and, I, and I know I make a lot of sports analogies because I love sports, but it just drives me nuts with some of these guys that they have one good game, two good games in a row, and they start doing this stuff, and they start giving these um, uh, you know, they start talking to the media, and then the next game, all of a sudden, you're not the greatest. How'd that happen? You know? Because it's not all about you. Things change. And so you need to be even killed, You need to acknowledge the fact that, hey, you know what? Things in this world are going to be difficult. And when you start put, you know, putting yourself up on the pedestal like that, these kind of things can happen. And we need to tell them, that that we appreciate him in all situations. So yes, in all situations, go to God in all occasions. And then he says, with all kinds of prayers and requests, diversity in our prayers—not just I need, I want, not just help, but God, all kinds of prayers. Listen to the prayers of the Old Testament's and the prophets. Listen to ordinary people that we read about in the Bible, how they spilled their guts, they poured out their heart to God. All kinds of prayers and requests. How many of us have read the Psalms of David? I still, and y'all have heard me say this, but I am so blown away that the most powerful king in the whole world in that time had time to write down how he felt about God. What is there, 150 Psalms? Is that right? 150 Psalms. Where in the world did he have time to do that with no iPad? With no technology like we have. But he wrote those down. And y'all, those weren't just words. They were to music. And they were for instruments involved with that. And I'm blown away. And there are times when there is desperation in David's psalms. I'm desperate, God. Where are you? And then there's times when he says, God, I feel you right next to me. There's confidence. Sometimes he's angry. God, why are you letting my enemies get away with this? Why are you letting this situation get to this point? There's anger in those psalms. But then There's joy. But God, I still trust in you. Your faithfulness will be there. And you see joy. Sometimes there's deep hurt. God, I feel like I've been crying all night long and you're not even answering me. I don't even know where you are. I feel like you've turned your back on me, God. But then he says, God, I know you're there. The night is over now. Now there's joy in the morning, David says. He shows gratitude. All kinds. And God heard and hears all of what we say to him. Even when we think, He doesn't paul is saying that god wants to hear your inner thoughts he wants to communicate with your inner being he know he wants to know what you want what you request and doing that there's this authenticity in the process of making a decision or taking an action and we need help in that process we grow through that process i grow in that process when i tell them you know when you're talking to your good friend to your spouse you vent don't you and sometimes we want to solve whatever they're venting about. And they don't, want, they don't need us to solve it all the time. They just want us to listen to it. And God wants to listen to all that. And He goes, I hear you. Believe me, I know you better than anybody. I know your heart, your mind, and your soul. And I want to hear what you have to say. But then I'm going to take some time to be still. And I want you to know that I'm God. And I'm here. And I'm listening. But there's a process. And in that process, sometimes you need to go through some difficult times. You need to have some hurt. You need to have some times where you're in desperation because that shows dependence on me. You need to be angry sometimes so you can appreciate joy. You need to have hurt sometimes so you can appreciate gratitude and good times. And you grow because you realize who I am and who you are. And that's why it's so important with all kinds of prayers and requests to God. So be alert, he says. Keep on praying for the saints. Be aware of what's going on. Be alert. Be alert. Be aware. Now, I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there today about this group or that group trying to do this or that to our country. I get all that, but you need to be alert. And you don't need to pick a certain news channel that's going to give you the right way of looking at things. They both are, 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 are not exactly on the up and up. Y'all do realize that, right? You either get it from this or this, and they're pretty slanted if you listen to both of them. And you can try to listen to both of them and say it's probably somewhere in the middle there. But all of that... It's important for us to know. I think it's important for us to vote. It's important for us to have opinions about things. But if it's not grounded in God's Word, and if we're not going to prayer and say, God, help me make decisions about this mess. There were some people in our country who had to make very difficult decisions this week. And I pray, and I hope and pray, and I believe some of them even said, they had to go to the Lord and say, God, help me. This is tough. It was tough, wasn't it? It was tough to make a decision. You have people saying completely different things and they both can't be true and you're one of those people who has to make a vote on these things. These are hard things. But I believe we go to God and God knows our heart and He helps reveal to us what's true and what's right and how we should behave. And we need to go to God in prayer and be alert and know that He's there. Keep on praying for the saints. He's not a Falcons fan, is he? Just kidding. I know, that was cheesy. But for the saints, who is he talking about? Who are the saints? He's talking about fellow believers. And we are all, Paul writes in his letters about we are in Christ. When we are in Christ, the old has gone. All our past has gone. And we are a new creation in Christ. Now we are looked at as set apart, a saint. In Christ Jesus, we're a new person. So we are a saint. And I need to pray for you, and you need to pray for me. Yeah, but he doesn't always act like a saint. That's not the point. In Christ, I am. When we start doing all that stuff, well, you did this and therefore you're not a saint. No, you are a saint. God always looks at you like that. And that's what I say to people. When you come out of that baptism, you are a new creation. There's going to be times in your life, you know what you're going to do? You're going to act, I act like the old Craig before I was baptized. And God's going, whoa, 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 Craig, what are you doing? I thought we got this straight. We buried the old Craig. He is no longer. There is a new Craig who has the Holy Spirit that's still with the Holy Spirit. That's the Craig I expect to be living like you're supposed to be living. So now go do what you're supposed to do. It's not all this guilt and shame that I've lost my salvation or something. No, sometimes I need to be reminded that the old Craig is dead and the new Craig is who's supposed to be living. And we need to be reminded of that. And we need to pray for each other and encourage each other and hold each other accountable, don't we? We all need accountability. Without accountability, we're going to go our own way, and we need accountability. That's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of accountability. So personal prayer. And then Paul says, I need personal prayer. Whenever I open my mouth, I want you all to pray for me that God will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I'm going, why does Paul need prayer? This guy, everywhere he goes, he causes a riot. Do you all realize that? Read the book of Acts. Everywhere Paul went and started preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, he caused a riot. I'm thinking, what is he? He's telling you his innermost feelings. I'm scared, y'all. I know what God's called me to do, but when I get out there and start saying it, it scares me. I'm going to be arrested again. I'm going to be beaten again. I'm going to be thrown in jail again. And he's saying, I will fearlessly make it known because I'm an ambassador in chains because of this. You think Paul wasn't tired of being in chains and being in jail? I'm doing what you asked me to. Why am I in jail? And God, y'all, y'all know this is true. God used that situation every time to promote the gospel, didn't he? Paul didn't quite see that sometimes, but he realized, no, God's doing something through this, but it was a process for him. He said, so pray for me. Pray that I will continue to declare it fearlessly as I should. He's saying, you know what? Sometimes I don't have the strong faith I should. I'm scared to say something. And I want to say something to you young people and to you people that have people at work that you say, I want to say something to that teacher or that classmate of mine or this person that works next to me. And they're always saying this about Christianity or about this worldview and that world. And I want to say something, but I'm scared. Because if I say something, they're going to call me a, you know, a, a lunatic or you know, all those phrases we use about Christians sometimes. But just like Paul was scared, he's saying, pray for people. Ask people to specifically pray that you will be able to fearlessly share the gospel message, your faith with somebody, in a way that can make them think and maybe change their life around. And we need that. Paul is revealing his fear and doing what he's called to do. He's in chains because he's been doing it. He says, God, but help me to keep doing it. He needs the strength. Well, this morning I want to I tell you about a story one time where I was really embarrassed Um, But God taught me something about my lack of faith and prayer and about how in this country, we don't really need to pray sometimes, or at least we act like we don't because we're so... Um, affluent. We have so much that we need that we feel like sometimes we've got it. But when I've been in third world countries and and, and others of y'all know in here have been there, man, it wakes you up to the faith of those people, especially those who are Christians in other countries. So I was in Haiti. Um, It's been, gosh, it's been about 15 years ago. And I was uh, doing a trip with some college kids and we went to Haiti and there had been a storm there and we were putting some roofs on a church building and some other things. And when we first got there, um, our leader didn't tell me kind of to the last minute that he was not going on this trip. He had taken me on a pre-trip to Haiti to kind of show me there, And then he goes, oh, and by the way, you're going to be leading the trip next time. And I was like, what? I've never led a trip before. And so I was, I was pretty intimidated. But we had one of the people from that mission organization with us. And she was a, 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 a lady that had you know, more wisdom than me, had been around the, uh, had a little bit older than me. And I was glad she was going to be there. But when we got there, as soon as we got there, she says... I'm feeling horrible and I know what it is. I've had this before. I've had a urinary tract infection before and I feel it coming on and I don't know what we're going to do. And I'm like, oh no. And we have already flown into Port-au-Prince and we have driven in the back of a pickup truck for hours to another destination along these dusty roads. And I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. So I did what you're supposed to do. I said, oh, let's let's pray for Debbie. And so we, we held Debbie's hand and we prayed for her. And I said some, um, you know, Quick prayer, um, but in my mind, I'm already thinking, okay, what are we going to do about this? We've got to get her to the doctor, and we've got to get her to the doctor fast. I'm like, Dear God, please help Debbie to get better and heal her, and um, and amen. And so then I was like, all right, so as soon as the prayer was over, I'm going, okay, this is what we're going to do tomorrow. All right, so you two, you're going to have to get, we're going to. Talk to our translator. He's going to get the guy with the truck, and we're going to have to take Debbie to Port-au-Prince. We've got to get her to a hospital and probably get her back to Miami and get her to a hospital because this is bad. You see how she's doing. And then so I'm on playing. also, and the rest of us, we're going to go ahead and try to work on the projects we're supposed to be doing. So I've got all these plans we're going to do. So there's another lady that's talking to Debbie, and she's uh, uh, one of the, the Haitian folks there in the church, and she's giving her some kind of something to drink, and she's praying for her. I see her laying her hands, and her prayer was not one of these quick ones like I was doing. was one of those where you're going, man, is she finished yet? And she just keeps going. And so in the night, I keep hearing something outside of where we're staying in this church. And I hear somebody mumbling stuff in Haitian all night long, keep waking up and I hear it. So finally I ask our translator next morning, I said, what in the world was going on? Who was that outside last night just mumbling? Oh, that was so-and-so. They were praying for Debbie all night long. Circled where we were staying and prayed for Debbie all day long. I lie to y'all not. The next morning, Debbie was fine. I don't have any way of explaining that except the power of that person who did not have the mentality that she could fix everything. She was totally dependent on God and said, God, this woman needs your help. I've been there. I know what it is to need you and be dependent on you because I live in Haiti. It's, it's terrible here. And those people have a faith that I wish I had. But I was so blown away that I've never forgot that. And so God is saying to the Ephesians, He's saying to us, y'all, that we need to talk to Him. We need to talk to Him. We need to communicate Him in all occasions, with all kinds of prayers. And we need to do that consistently. The power of authentic, dependent prayer tells God that we need Him, that we want Him, and that we're dependent upon Him. And He does powerful things. Now that doesn't mean, y'all, I'm not saying it's a prescription for every time you pray, everything's going to be like you want it. Y'all know that's not true, don't you? I look around here and I see, I can, I can, I can point you out and name names. So you remember when we all prayed for that and it didn't happen? But I still believe, like that song we sang this morning, you are faithful, God. In almost every situation that something like that's happened where I prayed for it and it didn't turn out the way I thought it should happen, I've seen God's faithfulness in that anyway. It may take a while. And I said in almost, and the reason I'm saying in almost every situation, y'all, because I know God's not finished with that situation that I thought should have been this way. And so when I pray, I say, God, not your will, but what? Not my will, but your will be done. Y'all knew what I was talking about. And that's the way we need to pray, and that's what Paul's saying to us. So this morning... We've got that full armor that God has promised us. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, but I still need to be in direct communication constantly with my Father, with the one that's given me this armor, the one that sent His Son Jesus to die for me, and the one that sealed me with His Holy Spirit so that I can display His character in my life. Well, this morning, maybe there's somebody that says, you know, I want that. I want to be sealed I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I want to believe that that sealing of the Holy Spirit is going to transform my life, and it will. But you know what? You've got to take that first step. So we're going to offer an opportunity. If maybe there's somebody here today that needs to take that first step and say, you know what? I do need God. I want Him in my life. I want to make Him my Lord and Savior. And I want to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I want to start that transformation. And it is a process. It is a journey. But I'm ready to to start that journey. So if you've got that decision today, we invite you to come as we're going to stand and sing in a minute. These guys are going to lead us in a song. And we're going to lead into a time of communion. But if you have a decision to make, maybe you're looking for a church home. We are not perfect. But I tell you what, we we are dedicated to listening to God's Word praying for each other and trying to develop the character of God in our lives. And we want to do that as a church body. And if you're looking for a church like that, we invite you to make that decision today as well. So we're going to stand right now and we're going to sing this song. And if you have a decision, I'll be right here. And if not, we'll just walk right into a communion time.